Max right here on Radio 3 and Salt. Good morning to you. It's 12 minutes past 10 o'clock for a Thursday and that means it's time for me to invite you to join us on Facebook Live where we're rocking and rolling right now as we say hi to Steve Vines. Good morning, Steve. How's it going? Good morning. Well, it's going. I'm, 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 I'm under detention at the moment in, in the delights of the Penny's Bay um, quarantine centre. I thought it looked nicer than your gaff, actually. Lovely colour scheme. I know. I, I always wondered what the gulag looked like and... Um, you know what? <laughs> it, it, it's not as pretty as it sounds. I, I, I'll give you a picture. You know those um, American roadside motels, yep. which which look as though time has forgotten them, and yep. so will you. Yep. So they've got blocks and blocks of these. Apparently, it, it houses three thousand five hundred people. Wow. And that's just in my and that's just in my room. So I don't know about the other rooms. <laughs> Spacious, palatial. <laughs> I, tell, I, I tell you what, though, the colour scheme is looking, um, it's looking, it's quite bright and bouncy, actually, Steve. I'm just trying my hardest to cheer you up. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You're, you're not actually allowed to go out the door here, but you are allowed to look out the door, and it's it's a very tasteful colour of grey on the externals. So, uh, well, join us on Facebook Live, and you can see that he's doing his bit as well because he's got a beautiful cobalt blue shirt on, which actually matches everything, and he's got big arrows on the front as well. Anyway, Steve, yeah. let's get down to it. What's happening? Let's get down to it. So, um, uh, well, now I better say Kong Hei Fat Choi again yeah, because absolutely. you know, time of year, isn't it? Mm. Well, there's that, and then of course we saw as as we see every year. Whoever is the head of the Hongyi Cook, remember that can be called anybody called Lao. It's it's a very democratic organisation. If you're the father or the son, you get to run it. So it's now Lao Mong Fats, the original head of the Cook's son, Kenneth Kenneth Lao is now in charge of going along to the Qigong Temple and pulling out the fortune stick to tell the whole of Hong Kong what you know what to expect in in the coming year and it was as specific as always wasn't it i mean these things they, they're brilliantly written it wasn't according to the script because you have kenneth lau saying um it, well the stick that he, he he drew out was the the number five strip the stick apparently people who know more oh, sorry the number 45 stick oh yeah the people know more about this than i do and it it it, it, it gives a warning to the government not to turn a deaf ear to public discontent. Well, yeah. Wow. And it, it cites a Chinese proverb saying that if government makes the wrong move, the fire will get bigger. Now, you know, poor old Ken Lau, who was put on this earth to do what he's told, to defend the male, and of course not the female, um, inhabitants of the new territories. Yeah. You know, when the accuracy goes along, and as you say, normally what happens is Dick says, you know, you know, if if there's a why in the month, there will be good fortune. And it's very important for everybody to shut up and tremble and obey. Nothing go right. But this year, Ken the boy goes into the temple, pulls out this stick, and, and it has a very specific meaning. And he goes, Know whether it actually means what it says. Oh, I think this one know. does mean what it says on the tin, quite frank, by the sounds of it. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not, I'm not immensely superstitious, but I am immensely opportunistic. So if one of those sticks says what I hope it will say, 
I'm, I'm all for it. I'm going for going for bust on this one. Mm. So thanks, Ken. You've done a grand job. You can go back to a whole year of saying absolutely nothing again. And can I say, he says nothing very well. He's very, very good at it. Um, we're lucky to have him. <laughs> what we're not lucky to have, and here we go again, no apologies for raising this because it is the topic. Yeah. And tell you what, sitting in a quarantine centre doesn't half focus your mind on it. We still don't have, here we are, February, we still don't have the vaccine. Mm. They're now talking about it arriving next month, which according to my calculations, because I'm good at this, is March. And we're going to get this wretched Sinovac. This is the this is one of the least effective um, vaccines, according to global studies. It has an efficacy rate of only 50.6. You know, the other ones are, are offering efficacy rates in, 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 the, in the 80s, in the 90s, the high 90s in some cases. So, you know, Hong Kong gets the third, thirdest of third rate vaccines. We were originally told that Hong Kong would get um, as a as a as a starter for ten, mm-hmm. the um, vaccine. Um, but you know what it is? It's all politics. This whole thing keeps being reduced to politics. So Matthew Chern, the um, deputy mayor's deputy, um, comes out the other day and goes, "Oh, we're going to have a welcoming ceremony at the airport for Sinovac." Do you know, Matthew? Just get on with your job. Stop prating around. Going to ceremonies, you know, oh, there's another ceremony. Oh, I can wave a wave a flag. I mean, you know, come on, boy, you've got a job to do here. So anyway, so they're holding back Biontech, which is the Biontech rather, which is the the German vaccine distributed by a Shanghai-based com- company, um, so that the first vaccine that can go in China in Hong Kong arms yeah. comes from the motherland. This is just ludicrous. And it's a second-rate vaccine compared with what else is available on the market. I know that because the Hong Kong government left it so late to order other vaccines, it's probably, in fact, not possible to get a hold of the other ones at this stage. Mm. But, you know, this is kind of... Hong Kong people are really doing their best to battle the virus. They've closed down their businesses. They've been laid off. They're not going anywhere. You, you, I mean, everybody listening to this doesn't need to be told. And there you've got in the background the government going, oh, how can we turn this into an opportunity for brown nosing? Oh, I think there's lots of scope for that. It's outrageous. It really is. So let's see how many people, because of the lack of um, the lack of the um, how can I put it? The lack of the verification progress for Sinovac, because that hasn't finished. The third stage trials have not been completed, mm-hmm. yet the government advisors have approved it because nowadays, when told how high to jump, people go as high as possible. Yeah. So we've got this virus. We What we do know about it is it's not as effective as the other viruses. Whether it is, in fact dangerous in the sense of side effects we don't know because the data has not been published and and that Um, is in fact the crux of it right steve and then we've got the question of how can a virus be um how can a vaccination program be affected 
if it doesn't genuinely cover a sufficient critical mass of the population. And I don't know what your experience is, but I've been talking to people and they're going, I'm just not taking this virus. I don't know what it is. Combined with, I'm really confused and I, I don't know. Well, let's give our, our viewers on Facebook Live and our listeners a little chance to digest this one. I think, I think a couple of people have written to me asking you direct questions and I think they think you're the guy who picks out the lucky lolly stick because, Steve, what about this? What's happening here? I'll just chuck a couple at you and you can just give your opinion, right? Go ahead. So, uh, Jan, good morning. He says, morning, Steve. Why is there such government, so much government advertising about the joys of the Greater Bay Area? When I need a visa, easier to go there and I cannot drive my car across the Juhai Bridge to get there. That's on Facebook Live. Thank you, Jan. Yeah, well, yeah, he's talking about the famous bridge to nowhere, which... Um, and has, how he can't get to met. the gold pot at well, the end of the rainbow uh, at the moment. Which, which Jan points out quite correctly, um, you build the world's most expensive sea bridge and then you come up with a cunning plan not to allow anybody to drive on it. Amazingly, amazingly, the bridge hasn't been a success. Gosh, I just can't work out how if you put all those elements together. So, you know, it's kind of simple. If you're not allowed to dive on, drive on the bridge, I'm assuming people won't do that. Yeah. Number one. Number two, all of this business with the Greater Bay Area seems to be the only narrative of any substance you're getting out of the government. Problems with the youth send them to the Greater Bay Area. High-tech development, oh, we're going to build something in the Greater Bay Area. Nose-picking machines, they've got them in the Greater Bay Area. I made the last one up. You get a list of where we are here. So, I mean, the fact of the matter is the primary intention of the Greater Bay Area is to make not only the... um, if you like, the, the psychological connection between Hong Kong and the mainland, we are after all one country, but to make the physical connection, connection much more profound. And what people say, and it seems to be the case by the day, is that it's a way of eroding the border. In other words, eroding the distinctiveness, which was promised to Hong Kong, eroding the high degree of autonomy, which is contained in the basic law, Etc. 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 I mean, I always feel I sound like a broken record in yep. these matters, but you know, that's exactly where we are. There's your demi answer, Jan. Thanks for getting in touch. Morning Brew is where we are now. Here's a different topic for you. I'm hesitant to talk about restaurants bearing in mind where you are now, but I've got to squeak this one in. Uh, this is from Anton. This is from Anton, and um, he says, your avid listener, a couple of questions. So, Anton says, at restaurants and other outlets that will be allowed to stay open until 10pm, this starts today, I think, why must staff at these places now have a COVID test when there was no such need when the outlets were only open until 6? And then he says, given that the staff in such places wear masks all the time, whereas diners do not, this does seem rather odd. Is it the staff who are at risk from the diners, not the other way round? And the second part, Steve, here is, at such outlets, why must patrons of such outlets have to use an app to enter to provide particulars to the outlet's management when there was no such need when they were only open until 6pm? Thank you, Anton. Well... Like, he knows this. He's like, why, Steve? (laughs) These are very, very good points, and uh, I'm glad you you picked them up. Let's talk about the the normal idiocy that that, that surrounds this. The idea, (coughs) excuse me, 
the idea that um, the virus, you know, stops operating at certain times of the day and comes back in. So now apparently the virus will come fl flooding back in at 10 p.m. Yep. I just, last time I met the virus, it didn't mention that that was its intention, but, you know. But he's quite right about this testing. And here's the thing. Again, I, I strangely, this is something I actually know a lot about. A lot of, of the staff in my company want to get tests, yes. not only because it's compulsory, but they feel it's their responsibility. Yes. But, you know, at the moment, getting a test is very, very difficult. There's queues around the box. There's appointment slots that are completely filled up. So even with the best will in the world, it is just difficult at the moment to get a test. Now, you may say it will ease, but how is it going to ease? Because the government haven't announced any plans to increase resources for this testing program. Right. What they have announced plans for, for the catering trade, which everybody knows, sarcasm, sarcasm alert here, everybody knows has been doing so well, is that these tests that are required for people in the food and beverage industry, mm -hmm. which have to test this on a fortnightly basis, are going to be without charge for the first three months. After that, they want to add again to the burden of the catering industry because, you know, it's just been having it far too good in the past year. Each of these tests will cost $240 a head. Okay. Do the months. If you employ 100 people, times 240. It's not a make or break amount. But the point is, surely, surely at this crucial time, instead of adding to the burden of one of the most affected, badly affected industries in Hong Kong. The government could just squeeze out some of its millions of, of dollars for subsidizing the tests, which after all are compulsory on the government order. Mm. So there's that. I'm sorry, I, I missed, I, I've forgotten what the second part of Anton's question was. I'll go back to it. I'll go back to it. It's he uh, sent me an email a little bit uh, earlier on. Basically, he says, right, here it is. As such outlets, why must patrons of such outlets have to use an app to enter or provide particulars to the outlet's management yeah. where there was no such need? It's the same. It's the same gig, Steve. There was oh, yeah. no such need before 6 p.m. <coughs> well, again, he's right. So this is the so-called Leave Home Safe app, which... Um, people are very worried about. I mean, there is the obvious question, which Anton raises, why is it needed now when it wasn't needed before? Right. Um, to develop an app, even I know, and I don't know much about technology, it's not the world's most complicated thing. But you do get the impression that more stuff has gone on under the bonnet of this thing, and they might be saying, well, we think we've got it ready to roll now, so let's push it. Well, it might be that, or it might be what people are saying, is it's part of a wider picture of greater surveillance of the population. Because once you've um, scanned in this code, your movements can very easily be followed. Now... Well, that's the point, isn't it, of it? You may, say, you may say, oh, well, if I'm not doing anything wrong, why do I care if my movements are, are followed? But I think that misses the point. The point is that in a free and open society, you do not want to tell the state what you're doing, 
24 hours of the day, yes. even if it's innocuous. And remember, in Hong Kong, the rules are changing literally by the day. With a, a puppet legislature, you can get through any legislation you like nowadays. It's not difficult. You just, you know, it's all do what you're told. So you've got that going on. You've got the new requirement for people to um, provide identification before obtaining SIM cards, which, again... What do you think of that? Does that matter, actually? I, I, I don't know. I mean, mm. I just think that when point. you put it together as a pattern, I understand, you know, um, drug dealers or what have you may well have so-called burner phones and they have SIM cards in them, but... Come on, the people who are really intent on using mobile phones for criminality, you really think they don't have a way of getting hold of SIM cards? You ever got one in Thailand and places like that? I can't remember. Do we have to write, we have to write details passport, don't we? I can't remember. It's been a while, funnily enough. <laughs> um, it's been a while. Well, my experience of buying SIM cards in, in Thailand is the system is absolutely clear. Sometimes you do and sometimes okay. you don't. <laughs> we've got a quite clear, clear, um, clear rule for that. Without putting words into your mouth, Steve, you're talking about a lot of stuff that, if taken on its own, is fairly innocuous, who cares? But together, uh, yes, it, it, presents, it presents differently. So, I mean, you know, the point is, and this is always the bottom line, how much trust do people have in the state? Do you believe that the state will handle your personal data with the respect for your privacy, etc., etc., or do you think there's a more sinister purpose to it? Mm. That's the question. Right, well, it's nearly time for us to go to the news. Join us on Facebook Live if you want to. Thanks, Jan, for your comment and the couple of emails that I've read out. Morningbrew at rthk.hk, as always, is our email. Well, I'd like to say we're back, but he definitely hasn't been anywhere. In with Steve Vines. Join us on Facebook Live if you want to chip in or morningbrew at rthk.hk for your good old-fashioned Steam emails. Steve? Well, I think I, I, people will probably be crawling up the walls if all we do is talk about this wretched COVID thing. But just briefly, I think we just need to mention what's been going on in the mainland with this um, mainland, sorry, this WHO inquiry that's um, finally been given permission and has finally ended its its rather short mission. I mean, it was very truncated because the team spent most of their time in quarantine. Anyway, what we now... <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> yeah. So what we now discover is that they were denied access to the kind of raw data that they needed to really trace. This is an inquiry into the origins of the virus. And they said, before going in, remember that they, 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 there was a whole hiatus while um, the government in Beijing were denying visas to various members of this team. But anyway, it was resolved. The leader of the team said, we are not here to apportion blame to China. We're genuinely trying to find out what is the source of the virus, okay. which to be perfectly reasonable. And then they go there. As I say, they spend most of their time in quarantine. They're under very heavy supervision, they're allowed to visit, for example, the, the infamous live animals market, which is supposed to be the source of the virus. And then they go back to the labs 
and say, right, can we look through the raw data? Because this is the, you know, this is the gold dust of any inquiry like that. And the mainland authorities simply said, um, no. Yeah. And then somebody from the WHO side said, well, maybe we'll get it later. If I was him, I wouldn't make a long distance call at great expense to uh, be waiting for later to happen. But what they did discover, <coughs> and what there has been a lot of, lot of discussion about uh, before, is that crucially, in December 2019, there was much more widespread infection in Wuhan than was ever admitted. Yeah. And in, in other places. So, I mean, I'm not saying that this WHO inquiry has, has, has been a complete waste of time. I mean, it's most unfortunate that the, 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 the mainland authorities are so nervous of this sort of thing that they don't just treat it as science. I mean, if it is a fact that the um, virus spread from Wuhan, which, which does seem more than likely, why not just say that, get to the bottom of it and find out how to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Isn't that what this is all about? I mean, you know, call me call me simplistic, but I can't see the point of any of this unless you have an investigation that tells you something of use for the future. If you're going to block the investigators from getting the information they need, guess what? They ain't going to get the proper results. Well, it was they were going to go into quarantine, weren't they? I mean, that that's a fact. You can't... There's a couple of emails. It's on the similar topics here. Umesh, good morning. He said, morning, guys. I'm amazed that the Hong Kong government still is not subsidising the test. Even here across the Great Fire, even here across the Great Firewall, he says, we pay 120 renminbi for the tests. They are subsidised amounts. Even foreigners pay the same price as locals. He says, the Sino is totally off her rocker. And just before you get onto that one, a quickie here from Concerned Richard, who says... How long can Hong Kong survive, food on shelves, when the government makes it just, quote, too hard for CX to operate? Take what you want from that. Yeah, well, let's go to the first one. Um, The cost of those tests here, um, I only know because I've looked it up for for people in the catering trade, is going to be 250 a head. That is heavy. I don't know. Is that the cost for everybody? I don't know. I said it is heavy. It's it's not a small amount, considering... Well, but the point is that if you work in the catering trade, you have to have that test every fortnight. So, yes, that is a lot. I mean, you're not talking about the best paid people on the planet. And as um, our correspondent says, you know, he's living over there in people's paradise and they seem to have uh, subsidised it. Here in Hong Kong, where the government is sitting on millions and squillions, I know it's all reserved being thrown away on on white elephant projects but just a little bit just a little bit the bridge money maybe could be used the fire is burning now is the time to put it out put that fire you in down <laughs> exactly. you you look at what's happened this week in singapore they had their budget this week yes we're, we're going to have that human dynamo paul chan delivering the hong kong budget very soon and singapore has just said do you know we could have thrown money at this. This is an essential... I'm amazed I'm on the radio saying nice things about Singapore, but, you know, times, times... I think when it comes to the health issues, you know, just... Yeah. 
They're going to throw. They're going to throw everything. They're going to lavish subsidies on individuals and companies who've suffered from the crisis. What they want to do is emerge from this quickly and make sure that in the process of getting out, the population not only remain healthy. That's obviously number one, but a very close number two is remain solvent. And you know the Hong Kong government's basic message. Two people in Hong Kong is, ah, you having difficulties over the products of this virus? Tell you what, you're on your own. It's really complicated. We don't have enough money. You know, the are, are people going to are people going to dodge this? Do you think simply because they have no choice? Well, um, uh, you know, now we have an opposition-free LegCo. They just push through what they want. The budget will go sailing through. I'm not Mystic Meg. I don't know that by looking at the last poll. I know that by looking at the people involved. Yeah. So you know, whatever whatever comes out of the mouth of Paul Chan when he announces the budget will become law. It's highly highly unfortunate. And remember, they're changing the rules of Legco, assuming they ever allow any opposition uh, people back. They're changing the rule so that the level of scrutiny is going to uh, going down, going down by the day. So that's all good. Not a problem there. Well, I hope that you can come on the air um, after he's done that and say, I actually wasn't right about that. I mean, I hope for everybody's sake you can. Listen, if I've got to eat my words, I'll be, I'll be a very happy camper to do it's so. better than what you're eating right now, isn't it? I bet that's nice. <laughs> yummy, yummy. Mm. All right, Steve, PS, one more coda time. Well, let's not do COVID. Uh, there's this, you remember, and who can forget, what was it that sparked all the protests in the past two years? It was the, the expedition um, the, the the failure to yep, yep. Um, extradite, uh, extradite um, Chong, Chong Tong Tao. It was alleged what he actually admitted murdering his, his girlfriend in, in Taiwan. Yes. But three years on from that, three years on from that amazingly urgent, must be settled yesterday. This is the reason why we're, we're introducing this draconian extradition law. What's happened? Hong Kong. Still in Hong Kong, under police protection, living at the taxpayer's expense. The mother of the murdered girl sent him a pink suitcase, because you remember gruesomely, he stuffed her body into the pink suitcase mm -hmm. to of his crime. And, you know, the lie we were told, there's no other word for it, the lie we were told as to why that legislation was urgent is there for all to see. It's simply not happening. He is not being extradited. Um, well, that's hello QED. That's what the whole thing's about, isn't it? And Taiwan is saying, no, we're not, no visa for you. Now, tell me about the significance there. Is this a big hand wash? Not even that their hands were dirty in the first place? I think, I think Taiwan is also playing politics. I don't absolve them from um, uh, a lack of politics. They say, we've had operating all these years informal procedures for the rendering of suspects mm -hmm. between the two. Um, <coughs> jurisdictions and it was suddenly the government goes oh we can't do that anymore oh. so you know and Taiwan then got on its high horse and said alright if you can't do what's 
you've done in the past. We want, you know, we want the whole lot. We want control over the rendition process sure. and all the rest of it. So, you know, um, in the middle of all of that, the interests of justice are clearly not being served. If you've got someone who's committed and admitted to a, car, to a capital crime and is not facing any repercussions, it means that you've got a crock legal situation. You really have. And I, I do feel terribly for the family of the, of the girl who was murdered. And I'm not surprised that her mother is making these very constant and desperate attempts to remind people of this crime, as I say, committed three years ago, which simply hasn't gone away. It's it's, it's tragic. All right, Steve, we've got a couple more bits of correspondence to wrap up with today. Now, Richard wrote me that email about Cathay. I didn't realise he'd written me one before. So this makes sense now. Yeah, this makes sense now. He says, can you bring up with Steve about the new restrictions placed on um, day-to-day operations of Cathay Pacific and crazy quarantine restrictions placed on the cruise? Do you know much about this or anything? I know a bit about this. So... Basically, the very draconian quarantine restrictions on cruise means that Cathay will, or, or, or not just Cathay, incidentally, let's, let's be clear, it's any any okay. will have to essentially double up their cruise, which obviously costs them lots of money. Big time. Yeah. I mean, you, as, as we all know, you know, airline crew have and have had throughout the piece, nothing to do with this epidemic. Um, they have had restrictions on the time they're allowed to fly. Mm. That's always been the case. So, you know, these very elaborate rotors are developed so that if at all possible, you have other people in the right time, in the right place to step in where those whose flying time has expired um, have to step off. And you've got, it's a, apparently it's a staggeringly elaborate piece of organization. Yep. But now they're saying, well, that's all right. And tell you what, we're going to add to this and make it, we'll make these quarantine conditions such that for every person you've got in the air, you will need, now need to. That's at a time when Cathay has issued well, they're not just Cafe, but all airlines mm. have issued very dire warnings as to whether they can even survive, let alone, you know, continuing business. The number of routes that have been cut, the number of um, uh, planes that are, are, are abandoned in, in parking lots. But, you know, in Hong Kong, bravely, because taxpayers' money is not a premium, we're going ahead with building a third runway at a time when nobody on the planet believes there's going to be an increase in demand for air travel. There might be in another 10 years' time. Is this a great use? You know, the people who can't be allowed to have a subsidy to put bread on the table or rice in the bowl at the moment are being told, oh, no, 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 that money is reserved for the third runway. It's costing squillions. A different kind of transport. Different kind of transport, probably to say goodbye with. Colin on Facebook, he says, Steve, any thoughts on the six-seater taxi premium proposal? I can imagine his initial thought is send one over to me now, however. <laughs> I, I don't have any thoughts on that, I'm sorry. I mean, this is, this is, this is the, the so-called luxury 
alternative. I, I would have thought at the moment, people are looking in their wallets or purses, whatever, and going, tell you what, I don't want to get a more expensive taxi. I'll skip. I mean, you and me have caviar for breakfast, but you know, not everybody does, apparently. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're going easy on the caviar for breakfast. I think they're going to go easy on spending extra money on premium taxes. But, hey, it's a government scheme. What could possibly go wrong? Colin, thank you for getting in touch. We'll undoubtedly come back to that. Thank you to you and everybody else for getting in touch this morning. Steve, take care. We'll talk very, very soon.